0: We're kicking off a new sermon series today. when I came to faith in Christ, I was living in the Atlanta area and a very influential pastor in my life was Andy Standy from North Point Community Church. And he, I, I watched sermons through the week to keep myself encouraged and learn. And when I was watching this series, I was like, oh man, I feel like this is a timely word for our church. And so I just wanna give um, thanks and credit to him that, that this was originally his, that I've adapted for us as we get into the series and teach this concept about paper walls. Um, Paper cutouts, paper walls are kind of funny things. When I was in youth ministry, we did this event called Entourage with our youth group in Indiana, where I was serving. And it was like a red carpet affair, like a Hollywood affair for the kids where they get to dress up. And, And it was a fun night. And we had all these cutouts of famous people. I can't remember the names of any of the famous people, the boy band, things that teenagers cared about. I didn't know then, I don't know anymore. But there is one famous cutout that I do know the name of, and that's Sully from Monsters, Inc., if you know, yeah, we got some Sully fans in the house. That's my daughter, Ella, grabbing the monster by the tail right there. And once this event was over, one of the things that I enjoyed doing was taking these cardboard cutouts and putting them into my coworkers' offices uh, before they would arrive that morning. And so they, you know, in a foggy state would arrive to work for the morning, open their door into their dark office and be greeted It doesn't matter who it is, if it's a, you know, just normal movie star, but if there's someone just standing in your office in the dark when you open the door, it creates a certain reaction in someone that I enjoyed to watch. And, you know, seeing a grown man scream like a young girl and run down the hallway, it was just enjoyable. Sorry, Jeff Hughes, Chris Say, and everyone else on Union Chapel staff for torturing you. But they did give me back. It worked on me a few times. And it's a funny feeling to be like, I just got the life scared out of me by something that is not real. Like, it, it was paper. For a minute, it felt real. But once I let the light hit, hit it, I recognized that wasn't anything to be scared of or to be running from because it's just a paper cutout. And in the same way that I have behind me, not a actual wall, but a paper wall, you'd be really impressed if I could have carried that out and it was real brick, but it's a paper wall. And what we're going to introduce today as we get into this new series is that the excuses that we hold on to are a lot like paper walls. We present them as though they're reasons. We present them as though they're actual barriers. Like, I can't progress. I can't change. I can't do this because it's something that's external to me. There's a reason that I can't control. And so I am stopped every time I reach that line. And we describe it as though it's a wall, when in reality, it's just a paper wall. And we, we know that these excuses that people use, this is a common saying in our culture, I just can't. Have you had someone say that? They're like, you ask them to do something and it's just, they're so stressed, they're so frustrated. I just can't. And I'm like, well, I think you could. <laughs> it, it, like you, I believe you could. I know you can, but you just can't. And we can see this in other people. We can see this in our children really well, where we've asked them to do something and then it doesn't get done. And they present us their reason, which is really just an excuse and we make the statement that we've made and we've heard many times that's not a reason you're just making an excuse and it's easy to see this in other people but it's harder to see it in ourselves it's harder to accept the reason that we're not progressing is something that's internal to us and We're gonna look in Hebrews chapter 12 today. If you have your Bibles, we'll get there in a little bit once I'm done introducing this concept. But in Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews is encouraging the church because the church is reaching a difficult point and he's calling up to their memory. All these heroes of the faith from the Old Testament, he's talking about how through faith, Abraham was considered righteous. He's talking about through faith, what Noah did. And he's building them up because the church is experiencing difficulty. And there is a tendency when people experience difficulty to make excuses and give up. Things got hard. I had to stop. I didn't have a choice. And what I've found in my life and I've seen on display in so many other people's lives is that we do have a choice. That when God gives us a calling, he enables us to fulfill the calling. When we experience a struggle, God gives us strength to endure it. And so in Hebrews, he's writing and he's talking to a church that he's concerned that they're going to give up. And he's wanting to address these excuses that will be coming up, things that are so common to us. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he begins, and I believe very compassionately, he calls up to memory and he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I believe that there's some compassion, there's some realism in that statement if you're picking up on it. He's talking to the church. He's talking to people who are following God, people who are trying to do it the right way. And he's saying, when you get discouraged, look back and think of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before you. And that, that everything that hinders everything that slows you down and the sin that so easily entangles, because you think if he was just an idealist who was writing to the church, he would say, "Sin is never a problem. You never get tangled up. you never get messed up. You follow Jesus and you love Jesus, and everything comes easily and comes quickly, and He gives you every earthly blessing at all times in life is just great when you follow Jesus. But he's writing to them, and he's describing, look at the struggles that those who have gone before you have endured. And when you begin to get hindered in your race, throw off those things. When you get entangled with sin, throw that off. And I love the realism that is in that because the fact is every single person in here, including the person on stage, has a fight with sin that they're in. The problem, though, is so many of us have reached the fight, reached the struggle, reached the point of contention, and many of us have drawn a line that says, I can go no further than this. This is a wall for me. For five years, for 10 years, for 20 years, I've, I've, I've met this wall, and I've stopped right at this line, and I can't do anything about it. I can't change it. I can't change their behavior. I can't change my behavior. It's a wall. And I want to begin to challenge you that if in your life, in your pursuit of living for holiness and living it for integrity. If your pursuit of living your calling, if you've reached a line where you say, I know I'm called to go through this, but I can't get through it. I want to begin to challenge you to identify that that's actually a paper wall, not a real wall. Because if God is calling you to the other side of it, he's gonna give you the strength To move through it. And one of the first things about paper walls, I believe, is that we reach a point of resistance where we begin to blame the situation. We blame our lack of ability to progress on something external rather than something that's internal. We just say, I I can't. It's too tough. It's been around too much. You don't understand my backstory. I want you to know that as I talk about this point of struggle and contention, that I have compassion for what has happened in your past. I have a past as well. I have a family of origin that had its own issues and I wanna tell you, the excuses that you've held onto of why you can't step forward in your life in faith, I understand that you arrived at that conclusion, that reason in a very authentic way. Maybe someone spoke over your life, and they said, you everything that you do, you just fall short and you fail. You're never gonna amount to anything. And you heard that as a young person, and so you decided, I have to just stop trying because I am done with failing. I'm done with embarrassing myself. And so you allowed that label to be assigned to your life. Maybe someone pushed abuse into your life and it affected your view of your self-worth, and you just have said to yourself, God will never work through someone who has been through what I've been through, And so I just stop right when I hit this line. Maybe you authentically tried early in faith to get out of an addiction and it didn't end quickly. And after a couple months of struggle, you just said, God must have left me here to live. And I understand we arrive at these points of saying, here's my barrier where I just can't progress anymore. We arrive there in very authentic ways, but I want to call it out for what it is if you've reached a point where you say, my faith should progress through this, but it's a wall I can't get through, you have believed a lie. If you know God is calling me through this, but I can't get through it, and and you've just assigned it, it's an external problem. God has given you everything that you need to live your life for godliness, for the mission that he has assigned to you, to the calling that he's given you, the race that he's given you as Hebrews 12 compares our life to. He's given you everything that you need for perseverance to continue to move forward. And so when we reach the point, I'm gonna tell you there's two things that we're gonna see in Hebrews chapter 12 that say will slow us down. It's the things that entangle us and it's where we set our eyes. And so starting, first of all, with the things that entangle us, there's a reality, you're gonna hit a point of struggle with something. And your point of struggle really is what's happening internally in you, it's not something that's just happening externally with you. And not to downplay the pain and the experience of having other people do things that damage your life and faith, I'm not downplaying that, but I am calling you back to the truth that you have a choice of how to respond to those situations. If someone did something that hurt your faith, it it breaks my heart when a pastor or when I've had a misstep that might have offended someone. I hate to see that. And this is not excuse making for what they did or anything like that. But I want to remind you that your faith rests alone on Jesus Christ. Not any pastor, not any leader, not any church elder, not a father who is in your home. Your faith is not in their acts, in their works, in their good deeds. Your faith rests on the rock of Jesus Christ. And if for some reason you've allowed some person's actions to get entangled in your understanding of who Jesus is and how loving he is, you need to begin to address that lie and separate the fact that that person who should have, they should have been a better representation of Jesus to you, but they are not Jesus himself. And and I believe that, that Satan loves to use something that should be someone or a group of people who honor God to try to destroy the faith of a person. It's a joy of his, but I want to call your vision back to the person, the pioneer, the perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ. He's the rock that we build our life on. And so when we reach the point where that, that addiction, that struggle, that fear, is it, something that we don't, we, we don't feel we can cross. We say, well, I just can't. I want, to, I want you to begin to, to say, what if we just began to speak really honestly about the, these issues? Because we love to call out excuses when we see them in our kids and we say, no, that's not a reason, that's an excuse. What if we just began to say, you know what? My excuse for not doing that is, like my excuse for being late is I just didn't wanna be here. It wasn't traffic. There's no trains in Cape Coral. It, it, my excuse for, for you know, arriving lately is I just, I, I didn't wanna come. I mean that might not win you any points in social circles. Uh, you don't need to tell me your reason for being late to church, and I definitely don't want to hear it if that's the reason. But I am glad that you're here, even if you didn't want to come today. I believe that God has something for you here today. But what if we begin to say, okay, instead of just making it so external that you know, I I can't be a better husband, I can't be a better wife because of, well, it's my excuse. The excuse that I'm holding on to for why I'm not having a quiet time and, and seeking after the Lord, the excuse for why I'm not engaged in church is the excuse of why I'm not serving in my community is we know that if we begin to talk about it that way, it will create a sense of accountability and conviction that's gonna move us to change our actions and our fear of crossing that threshold keeps us from talking about it in an honest way because we know the line, the difference between a reason and an excuse, and we have been holding onto excuses in a way that I believe immobilizes our life and immobilizes the church. How beautiful would it be to see a group, just a percentage increase of people within the church who began to say, I'm not going to be bound by these excuses anymore but I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna love my neighbor, I'm gonna make a difference, I'm gonna use the gift that God has put into my life. What what if we begin to move to this point where excuses weren't in control? Because this is why talking about excuses is so important. This concept right here, that if we say that we're a follower of Christ, but we only ever follow the instructions of our excuses, who is really the Lord of our life? I want to be as respectful as I can of of your fears and your stresses and your experience. But there's an issue of lordship that will come into play in the way that you live your life. And your excuses and your fears will happily take the position of board of directors over who you are as a person when that, that authority should be reserved for Jesus alone so there's this relationship between your ability to follow Jesus and your willingness to push through your paper walls. Because there's a whole lot of us in church who we sing to Jesus on Sunday morning, but we serve our excuses all day long. And I want to... I wanna challenge you. I don't. Th- this feels a little bit heavy and I don't know if it's just me in the room here, but I want to challenge you that what I'm telling you and what I'm encouraging you about, it's not to stir up any sort of guilt, but I wanna stir up the recognition that what I thought was immovable in my life is a very small barrier that God will bring me right through if I will step out in faith. The things that I thought were impossible for me are are. are not only able, but they are already done in heavenly places because what Jesus has already done for me. He is the author, he is the perfecter of my faith. I'm gonna read for you Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through two. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I'm just... I I don't know, I had too much coffee today. I'm willing to step on some toes today. I want to tell you, within this passage, there is a sense that we're going to have things that we have to contend with that hinder us. We're going to have sin that entangles us. We're going to have a need for perseverance because the race is long and difficult and we will feel worn out there will be difficulty, is what I read in this, but we are called to continue on our race by setting our eyes in a specific direction, by choosing to put off the things that would slow us down. And it is far too common in our generations right now for the men of the household to be courageous in so many ways, but to be cowardly in others. And I'm going to pick on men because I'm with you. And so I'm part of this, but I'm just going to tell it straight. If there is a bug in the house, you are that hero, right? If there's a spider in the corner, you are the man who will take care of that spider. You are the courageous one. If there's a bump in the middle of the night... We are in Florida, and if you don't know about Florida men, if there's a bump in the middle of the night, Florida men are ready with a flash grenade, an AR-15, a shotgun, and night vision goggles if they need it to handle that because they are courageous and they will protect their home. But for some reason, it has become so acceptable for men to become cowards in their faith. We can be courageous in so many different ways. We will grab a hold of that fish. We will stand up and say words that are not well received from someone else in traffic. We will be courageous in all kinds of ways. But in our faith, we have been so silent. And I want to challenge you if you felt like, well, because of the things I've done, because of my past, because of how my father was, because of who I was before I got married, I just, I don't have the right to talk about the things of God. You don't have the right, but you have the calling. You don't earn the right to be a child of God, but it's given to you and you are called to proclaim the kingdom of God, especially in your household. And for too long, we have kept our mouths on mute. We need to be the ones who initiate the prayer, initiate the reading of the word of God in your home, initiate the conversations about integrity and why we will or will not do something in this household because this household is going to glorify God. We as men need to be willing to stand up. And women, there is an extreme calling on your life as well. You are called to be world changers as well. To challenge men is not to to lower the position that you have at all. God is going to use you in tremendous ways to shape this world, this church, this city. I believe it. But for some reason, I've just seen in the lives of so many women that they're willing to cross that line and engage in the conversation, and men have just felt immobilized. And I want to challenge you to look at that and say, if you have contended that that is a wall in your life, you need to choose to move through it. God has a purpose for you. And maybe you felt like, I've been, I've been hindered by things. I've been tangled up in sin. The term sin, that it, it derives its origin from an archery term, and that's to miss the bullseye, to miss the target. Anything that is off target, that is sin. You fell short, that is sin. You missed the bullseye. You were to the left, to the right, that was sin. There's all kinds of ways to get it wrong, and we've discovered most of them by now, I think. But now's the time to start to figure out how to get it right. Will you be perfect all the time? No but can you progress? Yes. This concept of like, I can't, I I just I, I don't know how, you'll figure it out as you go. But it, it requires a willingness to throw these things off, the things that entangle, and run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. There is a race marked out for you. God has a place in your life, where he desires to use you, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, the places that he has positioned you, he has you there for a reason, to be light, to be a source of hope, to be a carrier of the gospel. Well, Paul, my conversations at work this last week aren't really matching up to that. My coworkers are extremely stupid. And so they have to be reminded of it. And I've been the person to do that. God loves a redemption story. God loves to tell the story of someone who is going in one direction and then recognize they needed to honor God. And so they change direction. There is a sense of perseverance that when you get tired in your faith, you will get tired, but you have to choose to continue to run. I have run more 5Ks than I have ever wanted to in my life. Pretty much all of them were the result of my wife named Tia getting me into doing this. And for anyone who has ever run any sort of a race, a 5K, a half marathon, a full marathon, there is a certain point, if you're an honest person, where you ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? Humans were not made to do this. Like your, your heart tells you that as you're in the middle of it and it feels like it's going to explode out of your chest, but you make a decision as a runner, as an athlete that I can keep doing this. Even if my body tells me I can't, you choose perseverance and you choose to keep going. Living your faith, being an example to your family, being an example into your workplace, you're gonna reach those places where you feel like, I need to quit, I can't do this anymore, I can't take this, I can't keep it going. And God is honored in that moment when we, verse two, fix our eyes on Jesus. Because I, I hate to bring this to you, but your brain only has so much capacity and it's probably less than what you think it is. And so, when you allow that limited space to be taken up by fears and what ifs and worries and anxieties, it is taking up the occupancy that should be reserved for the truth of the Word of God. That you are called according to a purpose, that you have a race that you're running, that Jesus will provide every gift that you need for each situation that you walk through. Those are the truths that should that should be taking up that space. When we fix our eyes on Jesus because we're walking through difficult things, we're saying, I'm going to choose what takes up occupancy in my life. And so rather than staring at this wall that from a distance it seems like it would be impossible to get through, I'm going to look towards the finish line, the author and perfecter of my faith, because when my eyes are set on him, I have no fear of the things that look like barriers because I understand what he is able of doing. I understand his capacity and his power at work within the church, within me. If my eyes are on Jesus, I don't fear the walls because he's been in the business of making walls fall down for generations. His power has brought the dead back from the grave. His power brings life into dead places and it continues today. But when our eyes are only set on our problems, then that's all that we think of when we should be thinking and expecting. What is the next miracle that I'm going to get to see God do in my life? Because he's provided before, he will provide again. He's worked through difficulty before, he will do it again. I've felt empty and I have felt worn out and he provided the strength for today and he will do it again. If my eyes are on him, And so fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, because this is what we know about him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The church historically throughout scripture has experienced difficulty. Jesus himself walked through difficulty. Our life will take us through seasons of difficulty. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we encounter things that feel like walls, but we need to name them for what they are. If God has called me to the other side, this isn't a wall, this is a paper wall. If I choose to stop moving, it's not because there's something that I couldn't do if God had called me to it. It's because I've allowed an excuse to take a place of a truth in my life. And so when we follow Jesus, there's gonna be a point where we eventually have to stop manufacturing excuses. If we follow Jesus, there's gonna be a point where where we have to decide, okay, this has felt like I can't get through this, but I understand what the word of God teaches me. I understand that I'm called to move through it. And so if I just apply a little bit of pressure to this, I find that God is able to open up what I need to be open so I can move towards the calling that he has placed in my life. That this thing that felt like a wall for so long, I can identify now that it was really just an excuse, not a barrier. And so the way that we talk and the way that we think about the obstacles in our faith, the way that we talk and the way that we think about the addictions that have clung to us for too long, the behaviors that have been part of our life and our family for too long, the way that we talk about them has to change from that's just the way that I am to that's the way that I used to be. It has to change to that this was something, but God has called me through it, and so I'm going through it. I'm not staying here anymore. Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm gonna begin to close this thing out. There is a relationship between our ability to run our race and our willingness to call out paper walls. There's a relationship. When we see something that is slowing down the growth of our spiritual life, when we see something that is impeding us from honoring God in our life, and we describe it as something that's immovable, we're making a statement about what we believe in regards to the power of God. We're making a statement about what the spirit of God is able to do in our life. We're making a statement about what has more power And I believe the more that you set your eyes on on Jesus, on the perfecter, the pioneer of your faith, the more you will become convinced that there is nothing that could separate me from his love. There is nothing that could stop me from progressing forward when he has called me to step forward. When my eyes are on him instead of the problems, I become convinced that God is able. We already know that he's willing. When we reach that point where we say, I'm at a wall, we already know that it's his will for us to get through that addiction and get through that problem. We already know that's what God wants. The question is, what do you believe about what he can do in your life? So the way that you talk about what's currently a barrier for you, I believe it needs to change. Today, I'm just really introducing this concept of paper walls. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to actually break through them in your life. But I want you, in a moment of prayerful consideration, to just ask God this question. Is there a paper wall in my life right now that I've said, I just can't get through this. I just can't change this. This is just impossible for me. Is there a lie that you've believed and allowed to have control over your actions, that you know God is calling you through that. And as we pray and he brings that to your heart, we're gonna entrust that into his hands as he begins to work over these next few weeks. Would you just bow your head and pray with me? Lord, we, we confess with our mouth that you are Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised you from the dead. And we know that that, that, that scripture teaches that when we make that decision, we are new creations, we are called your beloved, we are adopted into your family. And we know that you love us just how we are, but you love us too much to leave us right here. And so you're at work in so many hearts and where it has felt like there is just a barrier that is impossible to move through. We just ask for hope. We we pray for a sense from your spirit right now that you're going to give us the strength that we need, the perseverance that we need to continue moving forward, to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is entangled and to put that off so that we can run the race that you have called us to run because our calling matters and the time to respond to your spirit is now. And so Father, move in our hearts, convict our minds and show us the steps that we need to take to move towards you. We thank you that you've been moving towards us all along. In Jesus' name.